You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. and welcome to Push the Point, episode 109. It is me, Labosco, here with you. Yes, Ramsey's is gone for a second week in a row. He is enjoying life on the outside, but that's okay because I'm a gremlin and I am here for every single episode, 107 in a row. Something that Ramsey's can't say, that's for sure. But I'm not by myself, of course. I have a special guest this week, and that special guest is the one, the only, my partner in crime on Contenders China, Thibbledork. Dibbledork, my friend, welcome. Hello, hello. How's everybody doing? How are you doing, sir? How are you? Man. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Maybe this is the wrong week. Ha, past, ha, ha. Wow. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm fine. At the end of the day, <laughs> like, I, my life could be uh, a lot worse, but it could be a lot better, you know? It could be a lot better yeah. than, than what we've True. gone through in the past 72 hours. Oh, man. Yes, and and we'll get into all of that very soon. Of course, uh, we hope that you will join us here. And if you would like, you can also follow us on Twitter at PushPointPOD. You can also, you know, leave us a review if you would like to do that as well. But we'll cover more of that, of course, at the end, like we always do. But Thibbledork, you know, if they didn't hear you last time you were on, give the people a reminder of who you are. Uh, okay, so hi, everybody. I'm uh, I'm Thibbledork. You can call me Thibble for friends. Otherwise, don't talk to me. Um, you can find me just about anywhere at just at Thibbledork um, on Twitch, which I never use. It's Thibbledork with two Ks because I got locked out of my old account. By the time I got it back, I had already been subscribing to people. Um, so yeah, Instagram, Twitter, etc. You can find me there. I am a uh, I do social media for the Florida Mayhem. I post all the memes and the funny tweets and the really not funny tweets. Um, I am also a caster, as mentioned. I am Lobosco's partner in crime for Contenders China and whatever else people will pay us to do um, yeah. or, or give us exposure <laughs> to do that they really should be paying us. Right. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm a, a general Twitter personality, which just means I have no life and have nothing better to do. Which is why you're one of the perfect people to come back on Push the Point again. That's right. We, we always have... We always have fun conversations when you're on here, too. And we've got actually a bit of news that we get to cover this week in particular, starting off uh, the San Francisco making the biggest bombshell news of the week. Thibble Stryker has retired from Overwatch. Yeah, uh, this this to me is is huge because this is one of the best players to ever play the game. A big reason why San Francisco was able to win two championships. He was such a good player on his previous team for Boston and got them to a playoffs. The man knows nothing but success. And now he isn't going to be part of a shock roster that, quite frankly, is struggling. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree that, you know, he's going to be a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. If we ever get a Hall of Fame, he's going, you know, he has just been consistently. And there's no stretch to say that he was probably, I mean, him and Profit, I guess, if you really want to debate it. But I would definitely put Stryker as my greatest tracer of all time. Also uh, underrated, yeah. but I would probably say one of the greatest Junkrats of all time. Like everyone just talks about Jake, but Stryker's Junkrat, oh my God. Like go back and watch when Boston were really good and had their little golden stage and everything. His Junkrat was a big part of that. And, you know, Junkrat hasn't been 
consistent enough in the meta for people, I feel, to really respect the hero. But that guy can do some things. Um, and yeah, in general, it was such a shocking move when it when it first came out. You know, I, I quote retweeted it, and I was like, "All right, now where's he going?" Like I I knew right. in my heart of hearts, like, "Oh, this is a trait. He was just sent somewhere." Everyone was saying like. Oh, well, you know, Dallas has been talking about getting a tracer. Maybe they haven't been happy with Pine yet and they want to, which obviously we have no idea. He hasn't even started playing with them. So that's kind of a weird thing to say. But everyone was going crazy about like, he's got to be going somewhere. Has he been following anyone on Twitter? And then like, and he didn't even say it. People like John Spector and the president and VP of Shock were like, hey, bud, Mm. you know, enjoy your retirement. And everyone was like, whoa. That's another yeah. really big blow, it feels like, because, I mean, he hasn't really obviously gone into any details, which is his right, but you got to wonder, mm-hmm. like, did he just not enjoy the game anymore? Was he dealing with injuries or just wanted to go home? Like, those are all things that yeah. really factor into the consideration of retirement. So lots of speculation going on that will always be that way unless he suddenly decides to explain exactly why he retired. Um, but that, which he has, he doesn't have to, right? no, no, hundred percent. Yeah. That, right? I'm, I'm by no means calling for that. I think the guy fading right, off right. into the night as one of the greatest players to ever touch the game is a perfectly fine way to go. Uh, it's certainly better than a lot of people who have left this game. Um, so by all means, you know, go live your life, be great. Go. If you want to play another esport, awesome. If you want to go, you know, freaking become a teacher or some other wacky non-esports profession, first off, really smart move. Congratulations. Um, but someone not making that move, actually, uh, is Hans, is who came back, which I think is almost more interesting somehow <laughs> than Striker leaving. It's such a wild turn of events. It, it is definitely very weird to think when, when you consider the fact that, like, once he retired and everything that he said for why he retired, because he was somebody who did give us that information mm-hmm. as to what was in his head and why he retired, you know, the pressure uh, of having to win so much and everything else was a large reason why he said he retired. And I don't know if maybe he thought the grass was greener on the other side and now he's come back. Um, maybe that's that's why you see Ons returning is that he realized, you know what? I had it really good in Overwatch. I I really was something special there. So why would I why leave that when I can go back and, and do something that I know I'm very good at? I mean, I, I know that he was doing okay and he was, you know, gradually improving in um in Valorant. So maybe he just felt more comfortable in Overwatch. Right. Yeah. I mean, so in Valorant, he he joined T1 Academy. So he was not on the main T1 roster with like Skadoodle and Spider, a formerly Saya player, etc. He was on their right. their I don't think they have a contender system yet, but in the theory that they Same would. thing, right. Yeah, exactly. So my my kind of, of theory, I guess, if I was going to speculate, would be that he wanted to see if he could jump into Valorant and make as big of an impact as he had in Overwatch, where he was this hyper carry, insanely mechanically yeah. skilled sort of player. But in attack shooter, that's kind of the baseline. And then you need some different little refinements to start bringing you above that, that Overwatch does not necessarily require. Um, So, you know, and I don't want to say like, oh, he tried Valorant and 
sucked. And so he left to go join this other shooter. Right. Cause like, no, he was amazing, but yeah. And, and not to mention, we don't know the pay scales involved here, right? Like, do I go yeah, join an true. Academy team and probably make not that much? Or do I go play for the, the repeat champions who know that I'm worth it, that will give me the bag that I also might go win another championship with, right? Like that is the constant allure of a competitor. They are chasing those championships. So I I think it makes perfect sense for him to come back, but I was also still really surprised by it. I was like, Oh, okay, neat. Let's get him back in here. I guess. Uh, something that Miss had pointed out, Reaper for Striker, also super, super good. Yes. And, and I think yeah, his Reaper was really good. Out. Even his Pharah, which you never mm-hmm. consider when you think of like a Tracer player. You assume a Tracer player is going to you know, switch to the McCree, which he was also very good at, or the Widow, which, again, he was also very good at. But like he was one of those old guard, true flex DPSs, kind of like a like a Tavik or a Seagull, right? Where he could pull out yeah. even his Genji. Striker's Genji was really good. Go back yeah. uh, if you if there are newer fans to the esport here, really go back into like the annals of 2018, the first season when Boston was the force to be reckoned with. Striker played everything at an insanely high level. There's a fight versus the Philadelphia Fusion on Lijiang Night Market. It is one of the defining moments of the eSport. It is one of the most famous calls in the game. Uber was on the mic for it. It was a total clutch on Farah that should not have happened. Or no, excuse me, I think it was Widow. Um, It it just shouldn't have happened. That fight was over, that map was over, and Stryker walked up by himself and said, nah, dude, it's over when I say it's over. And Are you? I think you're thinking of the Carpe Widow. Wasn't that that wasn't Carpe? That was Striker. Carpe has had moments like that, but I remember that being Stryker. on Night Market. Yeah, you said, or no? no Striker that was, was on Farah, and Carpe was on yes. the other side. On Widow. yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, you can no, see Striker okay. in that fight. I get he gets <laughs> shot in the head well, and dies, well, but. You know, here's something to that point, you know, Stryker's narrative leading into season two after he made the switch over to San Francisco was that he was basically a strike. It was a tracer one trick, right? Yes. It's when he went to San Francisco is where we end up seeing him. Maybe he always had it, but in the eyes of everybody watching evolve into something more than just a tracer, right? Oh, like yeah. tracer wasn't something that they had to worry about on that team, but you had the specialist in striker. Then, of course, we have he who shall not be ma- named leaves Overwatch, and then Stryker takes over that position as the guy on the team. Yeah, I mean, that and ends up being the MVP. Absolutely, of yeah. The, the no, playoffs. I mean, the grand finals MVP is like not to be understated, right? Mm-hmm. Like he ran away with that series. It was a big reason why we were all out of the Wells Fargo Center early. Like that <laughs> yeah, man right. destroyed. We all just sat there in awe because, like, that was one of those like all-time great performances from a team. Like, as far as matches go, as a neutral fan, last year's grand or excuse me, twenty nineteen grand finals, not one of the greatest. Right? It was a four zero sweep. It was pretty short. It was dominant. As a shock yeah. fan, you love that, and as a striker fan, I think especially you appreciate that series because. He just redefined it. He molded the entire battlefield to his will. And he was really one of the few guys who could do that. There are not many players out there right now who will take a game and go, 
this is mine. And there are, yeah, 11 others of you on the field, but this game is mine. And Stryker was one of those guys. The nice thing is they're getting a player like that back, even though they are losing Stryker and Ons. And I think it's going to take Ons a little bit of time to get reacclimated sure. into the roster, yeah. especially now the DPS pairings that we're going to see are going to be far different than anything we've seen from the shock, because one of those pillars of the team is now gone. So right, yeah. I, I think it's going to be a little bit of time for Ons, but I think Ons has the potential to get back to that. This is another guy who's done nothing but win in Overwatch once he got to the San Francisco Shock. Like he, he was on Blossom for a little bit prior. Yeah, a to little, being but he on. had been retired for a while and been streaming at that point and then got signed yeah. simply because they knew he was good for it. So exactly. And I think he'll he'll get there. But those were like some of the nice things that, or well, one was nice. One was not good because you don't want to lose a Hall of Fame player who you you think has more time left in the game. Yeah. And we lost another player, um, not in the same way. He he didn't retire. He was let go in Godsby. Right. And the spark decided to do that. But you also do see if you've been watching any of those games super early in the morning. Um, Slash super late at night, you know, depending on what kind of per- whether you're a degen yeah, or kind of not a degen. Right, right, right. Godsby really wasn't playing. It it was no. architect. It was so Minsu. It was um, it was uh. Gosh, I I shouldn't be forgetting who who the other person <laughs> is playing for the spark. They um, they are on a bit of a, a rotation right now. They're they're definitely playing by committee. I, I feel like Hangzhou is one of those teams that's really trying to break out of the middle of the pack. And just really hasn't been able to at all. Yeah. Um, shy. Sorry. Shy. Yeah, shy, shy. Who is phenomenal, by the Super way. Super good. Shy is so good. Mm-hmm. I, he's another one of those guys who's within a year, I think, will be like a striker-esque, like, molds the battlefield. I mean, even now Depending, he's doing yeah. that. But, like, man. It feels a lot like it depends on what ends up being around him, too. Like, sure. like they've been so middling for the spark. Like there's games you expect them to win and then they lose them. Yeah. And and then there's games where they'll lose that you're like, why did you lose so hard? Like, like there's still a lot of questions that yeah, we have about the spark. The the sparker are a really vexing team because you look at this roster, right? With these mm-hmm. like all star like this all-star support line. You got coldest, Mika, IDK, MCD, like Who's coldest? What? what? Who's coldest? We I've never seen him play right. in Overwatch yeah, League. No, I know. And then you you so you have all those guys, not all of which are even playing, but all of whom have shown yeah. you their consistency. And then you've got obviously like Architect and Shy, you've got you know, Bernard, the, the multi-champion Bernard, um, though that was a long time ago, if you want to be picky. And, <laughs> like, you, you have, and, and Gushui, of course, like, this emblematic, amazing top-tier dude. Like, all of these guys have shown that they can hang at the top tier, but something about them together has never clicked into anything over, you know, a mid-table sort of performance. So you go... Is there? Is it because it's a mixed roster between Chinese and Korean, or is it the coaching staff that needs to change? Is it management that's not enabling everyone underneath them to succeed? Like, and you and they've they've been trying to figure that out, right? Like, the Spark were one of the first teams to start going, "Ah, uh-uh, dude, we're not going to sit here in the middle of the table this year. You're fired. We're going to switch things up. We're going to let people go. Whatever." Yeah. But even so, they're they're still not quite there. 
And this is just another move that I kind of feel bad because I always thought Godsby was a pretty good DPS player. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a surprise, but with the moves that they made, I guess it kind of makes a little bit of sense because it's like, okay, they they clearly have more confidence and people like Shy, who kind of plays a similar role to what Godsby was. Like, yeah, Shy is is phenomenal. But yeah, I, I just don't think he really had space in the rotation or maybe you wanted to be starting more, right? Like that's often a problem when you have that like play by committee style. You can only ever have two dudes on the field, and each of them wants to be one of those two. So he he yep. is currently LFT, like he's still in it to win it. But and I, I will say, I think something that was really cool when they released him. I've never seen a team go as hard for a player they were releasing as the Spark did for Godsby. They were Which like, here's all these memory. Absolutely. That should be like the standard for a player that's been around that long. They had all these memories and photos and they, you know, like they're keeping one of his headsets in the office that's signed by him. They had threads where you could leave your favorite memories of him or pictures you had taken with him. Like that's something we tried to do when we released Saya because it's Saya. Like there's no way yeah. you're not, you're just like, ah, see you later, bud. Like, no, you, you give them the respect that they deserve. And I feel the spark at least did a good job with that. This was not a bad blood. Get out of mm-hmm. here. You loser. You're washed. Like they were extremely respectful with it. And that I really love because yeah, you, you got to make get, these moves. It's a, it's a business, mm-hmm. but you can still be nice about it. You, you got to give like God's be credit too. Right. Oh, because yeah. like he, He's in the video. Mm-hmm. He's saying thank you and yes. goodbye. Yeah. Like, I don't know. If, like, if it was me in that position, I don't know if I'd be able to it's, be on a camera and say goodbye like that, especially when my career is not over. It's an extremely right? difficult position for a player to be in. We haven't really had that scenario happen at Mayhem yet from a content perspective, but just being around the league and hearing more than I, I used to before I started working, oftentimes, one, Players know they're on the way out for a long time. They figure it out in the middle of the season or they just stop getting played and they go, all right, that's it. And they sit there because they're getting that paycheck. And then when they're released, they go, yeah, all right, whatever. And they're gone. It's There are many, many instances in the history of the league where a player has been released and any question to, hey, would you want to help do content for your release would be met with a laugh and a slam door. So the fact that he was willing to, you know, sit there and discuss the nature of his release and his memories with the team and, and you know, his experience and everything, that obviously implies that he was treated with respect to the end, you know, a really beloved member of the organization. And that, again, should be the standard in the league like we should be professionals who are capable of making those moves without ruining someone or you know just throwing them under the rug or, or whatever yeah like that I, I feel was really good i i think it's worth mentioning too that in 2019 this was a team that finished in fourth place mm-hmm. um and godsby was a large part of the reason why that happened absolutely yeah i, mean- uh, I, I I, I I really think that that this is a guy on the right team could tef- definitely make an impact. Like, I don't know. I, I was just thinking about this while we were talking about it. But like a team who could use somebody like a Godsby that's in a good position, in my mind, especially if Pine ends up not paying out, 
would be the Dallas Fuel. I feel like that might end up being a good fit and somewhere where he could potentially go. It could be. I would also say if Aspire hadn't smushed the floor with us so well this weekend, I would have also said Toronto. Because Mm -hmm. before this weekend, Aspire to me seemed like, yeah, he was doing well, but is this really the guy you want long term in your team full of Koreans? But that has not slowed him down in the slightest. Uh, the universal language of Overwatch is, I'm going to walk over there and I'm going <laughs> to left-click all over these guys' faces. Um, and Click and shoot. Yeah. yeah, and he speaks that language real good. So Toronto, I, I don't think, really needs the extra oomph right now. Um, but it, Speaking you know, of which. It's, uh, that, that is some news that we can discuss here in a moment. But like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like Godsby will be one of those guys who's ready in the wings as teams start to kind of have their shuffles in the offseason this year. There are going to be teams that lose people to retirements or trades or other offers or whatever. And Godspeed will be that guy showing up to trials and saying, hey, dude, I'm your dude. Let's let's mm-hmm. make this happen. I'm going to show that I've still got it, and I'm going to make another run. So I'm make, excited to see where he lands because I definitely think he will. I hope so because, like, I hope it's not at the offseason, though. I hope it's sooner because I could do be think sooner. that. Yeah, I think value wise, like as far as his ability to play the game, I think he is much more valuable than a lot of guys in this in a similar position to him. And he has the experience. He's gone deep in the playoffs like this is the kind of guy you want on your roster. So maybe it's just a fresh look that's needed for him. The, the, the only shock, time will tell the right? shock don't have six DPS right now. So did you get yep, that contract there you going. go there you go just they need a spark him. of some kind yeah I, I i didn't even mean to make that that connection <laughs> there since he played on the smart but you know yeah, you mean, never right. know yeah and it, shock is so weird getting briefly back to them because we have other stuff to talk about the shock are so weird because they always want to have that big stable of dps but now that they're starting to kind of refine where each dps is used they almost look worse which isn't necessarily or, or by any means really just the DPS's fault. There's so many factors that go into a performance. Uh, and yeah. the Shocker by no means playing bad, by the way. The Shocker's still ridiculous. Um, they're just not like going undefeated 28 games in a row or whatever the heck they used to do. So, right. yeah, I mean, the Shocker just such a weird situation right now. I feel like we could talk yeah. about them for ages, but there are other yeah. people and- to discuss. We we will talk about them in a little bit when we get into our, the games from this past week. But we've got one more piece of news as far as player moves or anything like that. And that's from, you know, a team that you had just mentioned uh, prior in the Toronto Defiant. Beast has retired from Overwatch. So Beast wasn't getting a lot of playing time. They've been playing, I, I think, exclusively Sato as far as oh, takes yeah. have gone. Yeah. So so it, it's not a surprise that Beast is moving on. Maybe just a little bit of a surprise that Beast is going to be retiring, especially when you consider that he's only 21 years old. I mean, the the age in, in esports in general, age is such a fluid concept. Like you'll retire at 19 and then unretire. And, you know, it, it, a, a retirement certainly doesn't imply that Beast is over the hill because the man can still frag. I, I think the thing is, is that he had such a long delay between his time and contenders to his signing. And for whatever reason, be it Rust or Team Cohesion or whatever, he really was never able to make it work. And then yeah. you signed Sato, who last year was like a top three main tank. 
Beast is not getting playtime in that situation, right? Those are night and day in terms of levels, just looking at, at an on-paper perspective. Not to right. mention Toronto, obviously, leaning towards a Korean roster. You know, that just, that's an extra layer on the role yeah. that needs the most, I would say, the most coordination. You know, you, that little processing power buffer in the language swap or whatever you want to call it. That's really difficult. So Beast was never really put in a good position where he could get back into the groove of things and jam it out. And you know what? I get him retiring. It makes sense. He played for a really long time, was an extremely winning player in contenders, a phenomenal star. Um, yeah. I, I like you, you can really tell who's just gotten into the esport within the last year or two. By by many factors, but one of them is in, in how they view Beast and his performances. Back when he was Beast Halo, this guy was in the running for one of the greatest of all time. One of the greatest main tanks to ever touch the sport. Um, he was otherworldly. He was on an amazing team that really enabled him to go crazy. He like defined Reinhardt play for a good while in North America, and yeah. he was just that dude. So it made perfect sense for him to go to the league, but he... It just didn't happen for a really long time, and everyone wondered where he was or what was going on. There were maybe issues internally with him getting a contract somewhere or something. I don't even remember if there was anything actually going on or if he just kind of sat idle for a while. Um, and then by the time he finally got in, it's so difficult to get back on the horse like that. So he was never really able to reach that level again. And that's probably an extremely frustrating experience. To go from a guy on a team who really had it all, who was playing at his best, just an absolute maverick in the game, to yeah. haven't played, I'm maybe a little rusty, I'm on this new team, this mixed roster, everything's not immediately clicking, so the team is starting to worry, they're looking for a replacement, they sign a replacement, he's really good, I'm not really put in the position to succeed against that, you know, See, uh, that's rough. I feel for that. I, I, I think Sato's a decent main tank. I think it was his team enabling him Absolutely. more last year than him oh, being yeah. as good as his stats. I mean, any, any main tank looks real good with funny asteroid alarm in the back line. Exactly. That's always so, what so, I said. But he, that's still true of him now. He's got Lastro and Anselm J. He's still doing really well. So right. he's just one of those guys that needs resources. But when he gets them, he is, he plays well. he is that guy. So the system has been working for him. Toronto obviously have their man. What's yeah. Beast going to do? You know, like sit here. Like he doesn't want to waste that time. He wants to just go. And I respect that. So off he goes. Yeah. He got a cake out of it. They he gave did. him a happy retirement yes. cake, yeah, which is so weird. Cake. But good for him. It, it, it's it's always um, retirements at 21 are always weird to me because like you said, it's probably not going to be something that he continues to do but when you read his tweet about why he retired it makes you feel like oh man th this is a problem that we see happen too much it really um, he is. thinks that he he thinks toronto and you know he spent two years with them but unfortunately i've lost my passion for overwatch i've How lost my passion for that? overwatch yeah it's something we hear a billion times from players that retire who probably retire too soon and we've had it happen again uh, he says he's going to sh take a short break from gaming. So that, I think, is always a good thing to do, too. 100%. Is just take a break, reset, recalibrate, figure out what you want to do. 
is he's a talented guy. So Overwatch is still something he can potentially do in the future. You know, go back under the grind if that's the path he chooses. But I'm sure he'll find something else if he doesn't want to do that. Right. Um, he's going to continue cheering for the Defiant and he wishes them the best was the rest that he said. But that that passion part, it just sucks to yeah, see another I mean, player. How many times have we seen thing? that line verbatim? I, I have struggled to enjoy the game. I'm not enjoying the game anymore. It doesn't light that fire that it used to. Overwatch used to be this thing I could do 18 hours a day. Uh, you know, I, I my life was breathing, sleeping, and Overwatch, and now I can't. And, and there, there are so many factors that could contribute to that, right? There's that grind mentality and burning yourself out because you're playing the game 18 hours a day, and that's just not tenable. It's also yep. frustration with balance or the format of the league or 100%. Uh, struggles within the team. This is, this is not me saying any of these things are happening in this case, certainly, because I, I know nothing about this. Um, but there, there are so many things that, uh, like any job, right, that make you lose that spark. There are so many jobs that you start as like this fun, passion project thing that you enjoy and you go, I'm really good at this. What if I turn this into a career? But when you turn something you love into a career, it changes. It has to change. It's a day job. It's a nine to five. You have to put in the time consistently. You can't just have these huge bursts of, I'm going to play for three months, or I'm going to make these awesome ideas that I have whenever they come to me. It's, you need to be consistent and put those out every day, right? Like, yeah, that, that, that's happened to me, right? I've been doing social media now for two and a half years. When I started it, it was a fun opportunity for me to shed light on teams that needed a spotlight, you know, clip some games that I was already watching and having fun with, make some memes, interact with some people on Twitter, have a good time. Mm-hmm. Now it is my job. This is my big boy job. Right. Yeah. I was just the dude with the seagull mask going crazy on Twitter. I was having a good time. Yeah. Not to say that I'm not now. But of course, now that this is my nine to five, in addition to having to make memes and content, having to interact on socials and make sure things are going out, there's also meetings regarding content. There's interacting with the players and acquiring that content, interacting with their managers, Swing and Albert, and making sure I'm getting the things I need, that we're communicating effectively. There's lots of meetings about what needs to be done, what we need to get how we need to get it, their sponsorship conversations, like all of those little minutiae that players have their whole own version of that I don't even know about because I post on Twitter. Like (laughs) those things all add up and turn it from this fun thing you did with the boys that you were really good at into like, oh God, this is the slog. This is the nine to five. And I feel for it. I've definitely been in that position. So, man. And and how you get out of it and how you deal with it and, and adjust to, frankly, something that you get to do something you love for or for your job. You know, that's still something that it can take the, the fun out of it, but then it can also bring the fun back into it, depending on how you look at things sure. and, and how you deal with it. And that's always something that's going to be difficult. And, and you always feel for a guy when, when these things happen. But. Again, I think Beast is somebody who can be successful in whatever he does. So I, I am excited to see what he ends up deciding to do once he decides to come back either to gaming or if he goes in a different direction. But the good thing is, is there's more than just that that happened this week, because now we get to move into the game, Thibbledork. And we're going to start off with our two highlight games of the week. The first one being one that I think a lot of people enjoyed, and that was the San Francisco Shock 
versus the LA Gladiators. That was a, a nasty game to finish out that first day on Friday. Um, uh, a mat five, one of many that we had this week. Let's see, we had one, two, three, four, five. Five mat fives this week. That's mm-hmm. that's more than I, I thought, actually, now that I'm looking at it. It was, it was the first of them. It was super back and forth the whole time. Very close. Both teams, I think, firing on all cylinders. You know, like these were powerhouses. These are high caliber teams right now. The Gladiators, I feel like a lot of people are kind of selling short on them. Like they see the Glads and they see like, ah, their qualifiers are maybe going okay, but then they lose in, in knockouts or whatever. But they're they're putting on a clinic and they have, I feel like, a really good system in place. And meanwhile, the Shock, of course, also have that sort of system, but are also just mechanically insane. You know, they're the Shock. Right. They're going to do Shock things. And it, it was such a delight to see those two just kind of slug it out. And, and it was a slugfest. It also was a very... um two different approaches to the game too. It kind of felt like as far as what they wanted to do compositionally, Mm -hmm. that felt like a big difference as well. Um, They, they, they tried to work ons in here, which to me feels very early to have ons in games when you just signed him. And he, there was definitely a lot of rust. It felt like in this game and, and most of the maps that they lost were maps when ons was in. And it's not because it was Ons's fault. But you weren't seeing like you were only seeing flashes of what Ons had was previously. Right. I, I almost wonder if, if the shock kind of underestimated the gladiators or had scoped them out in scrims to a certain degree and felt like, OK, this is the level the glads are playing at. We can probably throw Ons in there and be OK. But like you mentioned, I mean, like. I'm I'm watching back uh, Ilios right now, their first map where Ons was in and Ons on mm. the Sombra which I don't know. Like, I feel like they were trying to tweak too many variables at once, right? Like, if you're right. going to put Ons in, you should probably keep him on the things he's comfortable on. And, and we do see that. Like, we yeah, do see did, a lot of he Ash. He did still we, do that. Yeah. He played Ash. He played McCree. It wasn't, he was not Sombra one-tricking this series by any means. But, like, I feel like if you're... Right, why are you playing him on Sombra? Yeah, like, why, you have other people for that, I feel. Or maybe they don't, you know, maybe they're not confident. They were just like, we don't really have a somber player. Let's just throw Ons in there. He needs to get his time in anyways. It's the Glads. We can probably still knock this out. We're going to be fine. And then obviously it was still really close. So they were almost correct, just not quite. Uh, the Gladiators, uh, like on the other side, right? I feel like the Gladiators really have their system figured out. They have these set moments where they substitute people. They have this rotation in the back line and their DPS uh, like stable, you know, as to when they're playing Mirror or Kevster or, or anybody else. Um, and, and the like skewed Moth swap. I think that's one of the more interesting personnel swaps in the league this season because everyone mm-hmm. assumed like, why even sign Skew? He's never going to yeah. play. You have Moth and Shoot. That's disgusting. And they said, no, like we have a plan for Skewed and we're going to play him and that's going to be a big strategy for us. And it's actually working out pretty well. So the Gladiators, I feel, are like, they and the Shock are trying to do really similar things in terms of their, their roster rotations, but they're a little mm-hmm. ahead strategically in how they want to do that. And of course, they've had more time. They did not just sign one of their DPS players back after a short retirement. You know, like they're, it makes sense that they're a little ahead in that regard. 
but it's still, regardless, it's one of those games where we watch this and the whole time I'm like, oh, the Gladiators? Okay. Like, it, it was a, a pleasant surprise. Yeah, it, it, I. this is what people expected the Gladiators to do. Yes. Compete with the San Francisco yeah. Shock. These were like... This is what we wanted every- from the Glads the moment they said they were signing Moth. It was like, yeah, yeah the- this this is a team that wants to compete with the champions. And here the, they are. The funny, th- the funny thing is, is I remember there used to be all those jokes about, you know, um, especially from the Gladiators, like social media team about, you know, okay, what's the real battle for California? You know, who, who right. are the real two teams that should be battling for California? Uh-huh. And it, it kind of, you know... Uh, the, the Valiant were kind of good and then they kind of weren't. And then, you Story know, the Gladiators were always pretty consistent. Right. And now, now it's, now it is just the Gladiators yeah. and the Shock. This, so this I was kind of thinking about that. This is definitely the highest level California Cup we've ever had. Like, right. This is the most evenly matched highest level version of this. That, that also reminds me when the Valiant announced they were moving to China and the Gladiators were like, we ain't going anywhere. This is our city now. A lot of people did not like that. I love that. We need more of that. We need like teams that are proud of where they're from and like who yeah. they are. And I think the Gladiators are probably the best team in the league for that right now. From, from a socials perspective, because that's just how I look at everything now. I think the Gladiators yeah. nailed it with that, and they've nailed it with this matchup as well. It's a real rivalry. It's taken its time in building, but it's very satisfying to watch now. And it's something that like maybe you're not going to win national um, headlines with it, but you're definitely going to win to your fan base, your local fan base that's based in L.A. Mm -hmm. Right. And and especially, too, because like the Valiant used to be super good at doing that local stuff that used to be one of the things that was really great. If you were all the gladiators to take, that's all theirs. That's free real estate. Turn on the head. Yeah. Yeah. So and they've now the team is being successful, like things are going in their direction. So so this is a good start. But then our other highlight game of the week involves the Gladiators and the Paris Eternal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Gladiators. We can just I, I could talk about these guys all day. It's I mean, this in almost the same vein. This is also what you expect from the Gladiators. Because, yeah, they can bring it to the Kings, but sometimes the Gladiators just get caught out. That is fundamental to their identity as a team. They will play amazingly, and they will come into a game that you maybe expect them to win very easily, and they just don't. And I will say, this is way more Paris playing up than the Gladiators playing down. Like, I think the Eternal are the real deal this cycle. I think they have figured it out. I think this meta suits them. I think all of their players are stepping up in their roles, and they've figured out their communication. Their coaching has always been really solid. I feel they have a good team mentality. This is their moment. It's taken them some time to get here, but this is their moment. So I I think I, I was more proud of Paris than disappointed in L.A. for this match. Yeah, Vistola seems to really be paying oh, off on the off so tank. Good. Yeah. Um, Naga has been playing like like as far as um echoes go, Naga is super good. They they're playing Oni God more, which I think 
I, I was a little confused about their other game in, during the week where they, they didn't just play Oni God Naga. And that worried me a little bit. But this game, they play Oni God Naga, I think, the entire time. Yeah, I believe they do. So, so that made me happy because I think that... Uh, Listen, I, I was somebody who, who was not uh, the biggest fan when they stopped playing Decay on Dallas, but not because I thought Oni God was bad. I just, that's how much I believe in Decay, Sure, right? So, but Oni God was another guy and he is the guy I think on this team. So I believe that you really need to keep him in for as long as possible. Yeah. And that's not to take anything away from Don, who I think has played really well on the main tank. Dredro has been super good on the brig. Khan is very good in Naga. Like I said, on the Echo, I think is is lights out, especially, it's, and then anything else that they've been playing them on. It, so this is, I mean, it was a close series, though. I think that that's oh, something yeah. that maybe can't be overlooked. No, much. But like, then I think it's much like the last one, right? Like a, a, yeah. a three-two, no matter what, is always both teams playing at very similar levels. That doesn't always mean they're both playing well. It just means they're both playing at a similar level to one another. So they both did really well. Uh, obviously, the Gladiators we just discussed, full of amazing parts, full of a, a good team chemistry and, and synergy, like plenty of time to get to know each other and develop these strategies to a razor's edge. But Paris, and, and I, I like comparing them as well to their, their sister EU team, the Spitfire, <laughs> Paris has gone in, in a very different direction philosophically to most other teams in the league. Um, and, and which is largely contingent upon how they were built, which is to say Avala just holding trials with hundreds of people and plucking the absolute best at every position and saying, you're mine, get over here, you're mine. So yeah. Paris is, is this disparate collection of just amazing players at all roles. And when you get a team like that, the discussion is, can those amazing players come together to form an amazing whole? Or are they going to just be a bunch of individuals with no synergy? And Paris, this iteration of Paris, I feel is one of the few teams in the Overwatch League who has finally got that done. And that's down to their coaches. Get Amazed, I consider to be one of the greatest coaches Europe has ever seen. Avala, yeah. one of the greatest managers I feel in the league right now, just from like a cultural standpoint. Like she has such a great philosophy and approach to being a manager and running a team. She understands like the proper tenets of leadership, which not all general managers quite get yet in the Overwatch League, I'm afraid. Like it's a perfect storm for Paris right now. And and like I said, I really feel like they are the guys. This is their time to step up in this tournament cycle because they're capable. They're doing it. Especially from what they've they've sort of come back from, right? Yeah, um, yeah. They, they I mean, basically they've so much. You've got Elevo backing mantle. out injuries. You have Stola coming in on short notice and destroying. He's a fantastic guy. I mean, if you've watched EU contenders, it's no surprise that Vistola was the one getting the call up out of all of the many amazing off tanks and EU contenders. Like mm -hmm. again, like and and shouts out again to Avala scouting in that regard too, because it's not easy. It's not easy to go, hey, your off tank's gone. You have like three days. Figure it out. And we still want to keep winning. Like, that's, and, that's hard. That's really difficult. So she, you know, without a second glance, said, I got it. I'm going to figure it out. Okay, here's our guy. That's our guy. And it just worked. So, and they're only pulling from one region. They're not pulling yes, from everywhere else. They are yeah. exclusively an EU team, which I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of, but... 
if you can make it work, the more power to you. And that's something that Paris is, is slowly but surely starting to do. And I mean, this win gets them back to 500. The other thing, too, they were down 2-0. They yeah, were down 2-0 to just the Gladiators. That was a reverse sweep. And that. And, and, and the games were close up until this point, but it was still one of those things where it's like, man, like the Gladiators, you kind of, this is not, and, and maybe they, I think part of what happened here, and not all of it, but I think a part of this is they rested on their laurels. And yeah. we're maybe a little bit more focused on San Francisco than they were on Paris. Yeah, I mean, there, I, I don't think that's there's yeah. all of those factors to consider, right? There, you could right. say that this game was a bit of a trap game because any game that plays counter to the game you have against San Francisco, there, trap, there's right. just always that chance. That's just the nature of the game. And and yeah, I, I do feel the Glads. They're they're a team. I, I don't want to be like they get complacent because that's a sweeping generalization that I should not. No, make. right. But, but did they in this game? Probably. They, it's it, and it's not even necessarily that they were complacent. I think it's just like, especially and this is any team. Uh, this will be a generalization that I don't mind making. Any team that starts out two zero and is like we're doing really well. You know, we're firing on all cylinders. We're calming really well. And then the other team has like a good halftime rally and starts bringing it back. The moment that happens, like, and the and the worse your map three is as the team that just won the first two maps, it's almost more dangerous because if you're yeah. destroying those first two maps, and then after halftime the other team comes around and smacks you in the face, suddenly everything that you've known in your life is like thrown into chaos. You're like, oh no. Like you really start, you can really start to doubt. Like it's a major, it's very dangerous as a team like that in, in a mental game like Overwatch. And, and coaches have to work very hard to go, hey guys, it's fine. That's just one map. Don't worry about it. Please just play yeah. the video game. And if you don't have that, yeah. if you don't have someone on the team or a coach or a manager telling you, hey, keep your head in the game, just keep going you can very quickly start to kind of stumble. And in a lot of the post-game tweets from the Gladiators, it feels like that was the case. It feels like as that series went on, they just kind of slipped. And we're like, we we beat ourselves. We got in our own heads. We were just kind of boomed. They started to win. We didn't really know how to recover it. And then it was too late. So the Gladiators, yeah. I feel like that last missing piece, they have the chemistry, they have the mechanics, they have the roster rotations, but they need someone on that team at some level, to be the guy that says, hey, guys, breathe. Take a second. You're going to be okay. Because right now, it doesn't look like they have anybody like that. If they just jam it out and like 3-0 or 3-1 a series, they're fine. But if you need to get into a long series that requires that mental, that is a big weakness, it seems, for the Gladiators. And if you want to really be taking it to high-level teams consistently, you can't have that. It's just not going to fly. Yeah, it, it, it's especially if you want to be a championship team, like mm -hmm. a championship team can't be doing those things. And that's one of the things that it seems like maybe the gladiators are lacking right now. Well, they get it in. You know, they, there's still a lot of time left in the season yeah, and, and they're still in a very good position regardless as far as like qualifying for the end of season and stuff like that. But they did make it a little bit harder for them for the summer showdown by losing to a team that that on paper they were expected to be. And at least so, they went one one. Not all right. teams this week can say that. Smile. Well, let's start taking a look at at the rest uh, of uh, how things went for the first week of the summer showdown. We'll start with, of course, on Friday, 
Paris Eternal 3 won the London Spitfire. Uh, this matchup of two EU teams, I don't think it's a much of a surprise to anyone that this is how it turned no, out, Thibble. No, unfortunately um, not. Th- it was nice to see that there was some fight, though, from the London yeah. Spitfire in this yeah, game. They put up the, it was a good series overall. It was not yeah. like a depressing, like, oh my God, sort of series. Especially when you consider the next series they had that you're going to get to in a bit. But like, I, I yeah. think it, it was about what I expected. You know, it was the Spitfire trying. They're still trying, folks. That's what we got right now. They're still, they yeah. have not given up, at least. Yeah, they, they haven't given up, but but still, the result was sort of what we expected. Right. It's been a little bit rough for them. Uh, the Gladiator San Francisco shot game, which was one of our highlight games, 3 2. Uh, then we move on to the. Asia games started off with APAC. We started with the Spark versus the Valiant. I don't think anybody is surprised. Just another day for the Hangzhou Spark. Yep. <laughs> Quickly moving along, the Soul Dynasty versus the Chengdu Hunters. This was a 3 1. Um, it was a little bit closer than 3 1, but it was still like, like Soul definitely looked like the better yeah, team in this it, game. It was, it was a very interesting series, which I mean, it's Chengdu's on the field. Of course, it's going to be a, a little interesting. But yeah, Seoul, mm-hmm. I feel, have really stepped up lately and are starting to look like one of I mean, they, you know, they they made the tournament last cycle, so I expect them to kind of be consistently putting up performances like that. But it took them a second to get there. Now they're there, we, but it took them a second to yeah. get there. I, I we talked about this. Uh, I had LaFon on last week as my guest um, <laughs> in replace of Ramsey's. And this week I'm talking to you. But the nice thing about having you both of you guys on uh, Tyro Cookie was somebody we got to see get a start here, which I think was a little bit of a surprise. Um, but Taro Cookie ends up playing and plays okay. I, I think it's it's a lot to ask when you look on the other side and Profit is, is yeah, the, one I of mean, the players that you have to go how's against. How's that for a debut, right? Like, right. man. Literally somebody who, if he retired tomorrow, is going into whatever Hall of Fame Overwatch League ends up happening. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That's a little bit of a rough one to have to play in your first game. Um, he played a couple of maps, but then they went to Jimmy, and I th- think they got more competitive with Jimmy in, but I don't I don't think it was... It didn't seem like there was that much of a difference. It felt like that Leave was still carrying a large burden of the team on there. I thought Leave and Gaga in particular played really well in the game. I feel like those have but, been the bright spots for Chengdu, like, all season yeah. long. Like, they have been really, really good. But we still have, we're not seeing far away 1987, which is weird to me, especially with the fact that they did like some double flex support stuff. So that was a little weird from Chengdu, but they lose the game. I, I think that y- you you have to like how Marvell played as far as um, on the other side for Soul and Profit was Profit, of course. Um, but I think Marvell gives you something maybe a little bit more consistent than Gesture. And really seem to pay off. It's kind of weird that it's broken down that way, huh? But I agree. I I feel like Jester has not been what he used to be. I feel like Marvel has kind of stepped in as the guy for Soul. You know, he's more. I I think especially like we're seeing a lot of Reinhardt get played right now. Um, We're seeing like some Wrecking Ball stuff, and we're seeing um, when not really from. The one thing is funny for Saul, we don't really see the wrecking ball, right? We see the Winston and we right. see the Reinhardt. Yeah. W- when you look at it from that perspective, 
you'd almost think that maybe you'd play gesture because of the the Ryan or the, I, the Winston. I've always felt like like gesture. So a lot of people talk about his his Winston followed closely by his Reinhardt. But like I've always felt like gesture's been one of those like every main tank sort More of main tanks. Like his Arissa is really good. It's underrated because yeah. it's, it's Arissa, but like it's really he might be good. the best Arissa. Honestly, yeah, like probably the consistently greatest Arissa we've ever seen. But up there in the conversation, yeah, I I almost wonder if he's too spread out. If he doesn't, his lack of specialization in an era in which meta is defined usually around just one or two main tanks might be hurting him. I don't know. It, it's a kind of an abstract conversation to have, but like. Jester is in a very interesting spot right now because he should be yeah. so good. He's really enabled to do so well, and he's got profit with him. Like he's got the tools. It just never. It, it doesn't seem to be clicking yet. But it seems like they they trust Marvell more Absolutely. though on the Winston and yeah. the Reinhardt. And honestly, from somebody who used to watch Marvell when when it was only dive was the thing that was played back when he was on Lucky Future Zenith. I don't think people realized how good of a Winston he has. Yeah. And now you're starting to see that shine a little bit more, especially now that they have something that they've had a lot of difficulty for soul was solidifying the off tank spot. Right. Cause right. like at, at one point it was Marvell, right? Like, yeah, Marvell he was, was the playing off-tank. like Sigma and, and, and whatever else they needed him to play. That was a really weird right. sort of like rotational era for soul. Which Marvell is still probably the best Sigma on the team. Oh yeah. Yes. But, you're not going to really see. I don't think you're going to see that a whole his Sigma a whole lot just with where Sigma is right now. But I think on on everything but like a Risa, you almost favor Marvell, um, especially stylistically. Like I think Winston, there's more of a deeper conversation that can be had. Yeah. But but like you can't argue with how things went this week for Soul, and then everything else is settled in. I think Fitz too. God, Fitz is so, so good. it's like he has become. So good. Like he, he is really not the player that the I groove. thought he was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I always kind of considered him to just be like a slot player, like going in on, on a couple different specialties, but he has become that dude. And I feel like that's been really the thing that makes souls start to be so good is that they found their guy at each position. Now, like they're happy with everyone being where they are and they've kind of slotted all that together and they formed this really nice, cohesive, singular piece. It's working yeah. very well. And and they had a very good week this week, but we move on to the next game. Uh, the Guangzhou Charge versus the New York Excelsior. A surprisingly very good game. Um, really good. The Charge have been very hard to figure out this year, yeah. but they 3-2 yeah. win. Same thing with New York. This is this is like the... the yeah, the this, is, this is the Enigma Bowl. This is like, what are these two going to do? We have no idea, but it's probably going to be a mess. And it, it kind of was. But it was, it was a good. good, a good like, like I thought it was a good game. Yeah, no, it, it was good for sure. Choi Sewan, I thought, played pretty well at points. Um, we're starting to see Krong return to form after he had a very rough start yeah. of the season. Um, Eileen, I think Eileen's the best player on the charge. Agreed. I, I, yeah, I don't think there's a question about that. Um, Rio is always very solid on the main tank. I think what was weird about this game was like. We didn't know what we were going to see from New York after after the rough way that they ended up going into the final four, right? Mm-hmm. Or for June, journeyment, joust, whatever. Yeah. Um, y- you definitely like it. Definitely feels like New York is a young team, like especially now yeah. that they've they've sort of like slotted into like you know Guang uh, Guangbung and Friday being like sort of the main along with Flora, like being that third DPS. 
Like they're not really ro- like we didn't see them rotate Ivy in, so they've gone a lot. Right. Like, yeah, they're happy with Wong Moon and Flora, I think. And again, that could also just be this meta, meta because they're right. running like a tracer hit scan situation. It makes sense with Ivy being definitely more of a a flex pick, and they they don't seem too interested in running like uh, May compositions too much or anything. Yeah, in New York, they're in a weird place. I feel like they're going to be making changes soon. We've seen a couple rumors. Uh, if you follow the rumories on on Twitter um, about them potentially looking to change things up, like maybe in the tank line, which sure, I, I don't know. Uh, New York, it's so weird because like they're they're another one of those teams where like I didn't expect them to be world beaters, but I expected them to be pretty solidly middle of the table, and they have not really been there. So they they obviously need some work, whether that's a new player or the, new strategies or they, what have you. But like, yeah, they're in a spot. They have him and then they have, right? Because yeah. they get to the they get to they get to June Joust's final four, right? So like in one hand they have it, and then one hand they have. It's very weird. Like yeah, and, and I, then, I don't know how Yeah. And that's such a situation too, because you make this tournament after having what we could only describe as a not super impressive start to your season. And then, you know, you, you don't do well in the tournament, obviously. It's kind of your first exposure to that high pressure situation for what is, for the most part, a pretty young roster. I mean, but even then, right? Like, they have a good yeah. core. Bianca's been around for forever. Yachpung has bounced around various teams and is actually, honestly, looking pretty good for New York. And then you got Jonak, I've, you know, like the old man. I think I think Bianca has been pretty good as well. Like, there's a lot of times where we've seen some, like, game-saving, like, like self-destruction. And Bianca's... Only been around for so long, though, at, at the Overwatch League level. Sure, like he's at, finally at sort this of, level, yes. But he, you yeah. know, played for XL2 for a billion years. Like, he has yeah. been around, certainly. But yeah, there, there's something to be said for, sure, he's played at contenders, but has he played at the Overwatch League level? Or has he played mm-hmm. at the tournament level? Like, those are very different things. I, I do acknowledge that. But yeah. I, I think, like, New York are slowly getting there. They need a lot of work. There is so much yeah. for them to do. Whether or not they'll be able to make anything happen in time this season is is a whole different discussion. But this game it was not bad for them. It was a bit of a heartbreaker at the end there, but you know it was close, and that's really all you can ask for sometimes. Yeah, and maybe you think this is just the charge finally ascending on, but you know there, there's more games well, to be played yeah. this week, and and we'll get back to APAC in a second because mm-hmm. we're going to move back over for the start of Saturday for the NA side. And I don't think this was the start everybody thought it was no. going to be, but the, the San Francisco Shock have a scare. 3-2, they end up beating the London Spitfire. You give a lot of credit to the Spitfire here, but the Shock, um, yeah, I, again, it feels like they're still like not where they... I will say, yeah. So they had a big loss in Stryker being We caught. We talked about the, the Gladiator Shock game being both of these teams playing at a really high level, really meeting each other at the top and duking it out. This one was San Francisco just playing way down and like making a lot of sloppy mistakes and just kind of being all over the place. Like, I don't know what went in there. I feel like maybe, maybe they were a little boomed, right? You lose to the gladiators. You definitely put all your prep into that because that's the gladiators and this is Spitfire. And then the Spitfire come in, and they are still trying, folks. They are still trying their best. So they put forth this really good effort, and then the Shock are like, what the heck are these guys doing? We're supposed to be done with this game already. Like, 
right. what's going on. And then you have to kind of really bring it back in the last moments of that Matt five. Like if I'm the shock, I am not happy with this week at all, at all. Like you really expect better from them and, and sure they still won pop off. But now you're, you're one, one with a zero differential. That's not a good place to be. You yeah. need to really it, it, pop off in your next games. At, at the very least, they're they're at zero for their differential, so they can still be positive. Yeah, they're, they're, they're in a better a spot very... still than a lot of other teams. And they play they play Paris and Houston next week, which Paris looking pretty good, and the Outlaws we haven't seen yeah. yet, but they they also have the chance to look pretty good. So and, the Shock need to be careful. They have not made Hawaii yet, and they could keep that going if they're not. Yeah, in these regular season games, um, Houston's been been lights out. So it's definitely something you have to worry about for San Francisco, although San Francisco has been able to beat them here in the regular season. But we move on because we've got more games. Uh, Toronto Defiant end up yep. winning 3-2 over the Florida Mayhem. Sure do, buddy. And this was a good well, game, though. I, it, I thought this well, was for a some fun people, game. For some folks, it was very good. Right, if you don't work, for, yeah, yeah, if you don't happen to work for the team that lost, it was it was honestly a very good game. As <laughs> as a neutral observer, because I can sometimes do that. Toronto played so well, and Aspire did such an amazing job, and I was so proud of how well he did, and how well the community is receiving him for having this like Cinderella story experience. He, you know, like him and Yaki had this like. Some might say toxic, but to those who know, it was a very respectful back and forth throughout the entire match where they would kill each other and then teabag and then put a period in chat. And like for for the people who understand the dynamics of Overwatch, that is basically both of them going, oh, yes. Hello, sir. Shake hands. Walk away. Like that was really good. Like Toronto played. They played really, really well. There's no getting around it. And Mayhem just stumbled in moments where they i really wish they hadn't is all it's fine though it's fine i'm fine it, it ends up being a 3-2 win for toronto uh-huh. and uh, it, it's a it's a rough game for florida but you think they've got boston maybe they can win that <laughs> and i mean speaking of boston they were the next game on saturday yep. they end up 3-1ing the vancouver titans i know they weren't very happy about losing a map no, to right. vancouver but they, they they still take care of business for for that first game, we move on to Sunday. It's a 3-0 at the beginning of APAC for the Soul Dynasty over the Spark, Damn. which yeah. this was a disappointing one because you start off the week pretty high, feeling good about the Spark. You know, they handle business against the Valiant and then they get 3-0 by the Dynasty. But the Dynasty seem to be on the rise here, yeah, uh, especially now that the pools. It's open what up. I expect from them still. I, I think the Spark despite kind of the changes that they're making or looking to make, they're still really not quite there. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. like you said, the dynasty are on the up and up. Everything's coming together for them. So they need games like that. They need weeks like this. This yeah. is what you want from them if they're going to make another run at a tournament. So yeah, good on soul. If they're going to try and compete at the end of the year like yes, they did right. last year. And then the team that they played at the beginning of the week, the Chengdu Hunters, they get revenge—not revenge, but they beat the 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 Guangzhou Pars, Guangzhou Charge. Words are hard. Gosh, yep, I got you. Words are hard. Yep. yep. Um, Chengdu wins that game three zero, and and again, the enigma that is the Charge don't look very good against the Hunters. The Hunters though look very good here, um, and, and end up taking a three zero. 
this is a little bit of a disappointment that the charge weren't able yeah, to compete better. I was hoping they would better. put up a bit more of a fight. I felt like them taking it to New York after New York had made it to the June tournament. You know, like I was like, okay, the charge stepping up, starting to finally get out of whatever freaking funk they've been in this whole season. No, not quite yet. Give it some time, maybe. And Chengdu, you know, this is this is uh, this is the hierarchy we're expecting, right? From APAC. Yeah. APAC, I feel, has very established hierarchy because there are fewer teams and you just get this parody that you understand. Such and such team beats such and such team. Who beats such and such team? And so on. So this week, I feel, was yeah. a, a really good microcosm of that. All these games were what we expected in terms of results, I would say. Um, New York playing Guangzhou so close, I think, is good. I feel like they're breaking forward, certainly, but it's still kind of in the echelons we expect. Yeah, I, I think for, for New York, I still like even though they have some players have been around for a little bit, I still consider them a younger team because of how different they look from what they looked previously. Right. Yeah. So so them, I'm, I, I, I'm able to give a little bit more leeway. But but the charge, I mean, sure, they have a lot of new players, too, but they also have Krong, they have Rio, a good uh, core, Eileen, right? They should be doing Karib. OK. I, I don't feel like they're playing to what we should be expecting from them at all. I feel like the charge yeah. are, are, are low. Lower than they should and, be. And we see Farway 1987 come out for a map again and, and then goes back into the, in the box, you know, the 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 cave or wherever they put him yeah. and among as well. Yeah. Among made an appearance right. as well. And uh, I'm not surprised because Gaga is just that good of a main tank. And, and yeah, no, really yeah, I, I don't think Among's kind of drop in playtime is really due to him falling off by any means. I think Gaga has just been showing up. He has been yeah. lights out for this team. He's what they need. You know, right now yeah. you can't just play ball, even though ball has his moments. Ball is viable plenty of times. But you're not at that at the level where you could really make that happen consistently. And remember, folks, when they were trying to make it happen consistently, they kind of sucked. So well, and here's the thing: Ball is like kind of been the mo of APAC, right? Honestly, Gaga is probably the better ball. He is. He really has been. You know, like so, so. when you add slightly better at the hero and capable, maybe of being a little more flexible, it's it's just yeah. logical. It just makes sense. So, yep. And hey, and, and that's, yep. And, and they 3 0. They, they 3 0. They, they, you know, once they put in their main roster basically again, then they really handle the next two maps with no problem for Chengdu over right. the Guangzhou Spark. And then we move on to the New York Excelsior versus the, the LA Valiant. And that's what we expect, folks. 3 <sighs> 0 from the Excelsior. Man, it, I saw not a really, surprise. Uh, there, there was a post on Reddit, I, I believe, after this game that was pretty heartbreaking. Um, we don't talk about the Valiant much, folks, because it's the Valiant, and there's not much to talk about. It's a disaster. It's it's honestly sad to see. Um, but but Mullenran, um, excuse me if I mispronounce that, but he had Mullenran is right. Yeah, he he had a post go out uh, that was translated a couple different times in a couple different ways. I, I don't claim to know certainly which one's correct or whatever. Um, right. But it basically amounted to this sucks. We have this team that obviously we knew that we came together under extenuating circumstances, to say the least, and we were just going to have to put forth our best effort and show that we cared and we're trying, and that was going to be it. Um, but we're all very frustrated. We're all really struggling with being the worst team in the league slash 
the last couple years of competitive Overwatch. Um, See, we have no cohesion. We ha- no honor was how uh, some of it was translated. We have no real like team spirit. It's tough. And there was almost like uh, I believe one of the coaches, uh, No Hill, uh, like chimed in on it at some point, and there was some sort of dialogue there that was not maybe necessarily positive. I don't prescribe this as fact because I'm hearing this like third hand, of course, but it was just looking at it and kind of seeing the different interpretations coming out from it was like, this is not a team that's having a good time folks, which is not surprising, but still sad to see. You know, the funny thing is, is if they were an NA, I feel like they would maybe be better than Vancouver. I don't like, I don't think I, I really do, because what has Vancouver really shown you? Like they took a map off of Boston, but whatever. Like I, the LA Valley have been able to take maps too. Like I do think one. that would be a, a match. I feel to like see they Vancouver took one when Philly were just like totally toying with them. Like they have never been in a position where I'm like, maybe they take a map. Vancouver. They've taken, a, they've taken more like, than one map though. Did did they take more than one? Yeah, they've taken more than one map. Interesting. That that wasn't the first map that they've taken for the Valiant. Like, right. They took a couple maps like early on. Okay. So I, I just and, I've never looked at any Valiant game because I've tried to watch them all to just observe them because they're such an interesting case. Not in a good way. They're just an interesting case. I've never really felt like if they were to face Vancouver that they would do well. I, I don't think they have the cohesion, and I think at least yeah. Vancouver has that. They at least talk it out and, and synergize. And they have Linkser. And I'm a big Linkser fan. And I, I think at the end of the day, if you're just looking at two teams that aren't the most well-refined but are just going off a of mechanical skill, Vancouver's going to win out against the guy that was retired for three mm. years and the guy who's not playing his main role. But okay, anything well, can no, that, that Okay, first off, that is that was wrong reporting from a vast. Was it because really? Okay. Yes, because that, that is that. not something that happened because he said he thought Silver 3 had been retired for a long time. No, it wasn't. Which is factually incorrect. Was it Silver 3? I thought it was. That's who he thought because he said he was playing in a role that he wasn't that he didn't play in I and he was, was retired. That, that was that not was true. On the, I, I probably have things wrong. I, I, I no, no, no that, that, but that was because of misinformation that was spread. That's fun, the point. Fun. Love that. Okay. And. And like nobody really tried to correct it for the most part. Yeah, and that was the, the, I mean, you do have Hybe, yeah, sorry, who who is who is playing in a different role. But Hybe has been playing the game. He was just no, playing yeah, as an off But I think those were two separate things. There was the person right. who's been they retired, and the person who has to play not their main role. And both of those separately, but together, form this chaotic mess that we know. And of. again. That that was misinformation because Silver Three had been playing all this time. Okay, like that was that was one of those things that for me got me mad because it's like okay, so you don't watch Contenders China is what you're telling sure. me. Silver Three has been playing for years, right? No, yeah, that is fair. And it was yeah, it was Liquipedia having was talking s- about because I've seen Silver Three play. And, and Liquipedia literally had information wrong on it, and it was just like a glitch ah, or so something. It wasn't even. Or oh, like, so Avast was reading Liquidpedia, but Liquidpedia was glitched, and then it just kind of, I see. Yeah, that that was clearly what it was, though. Like, yeah. th- this is this is something that the the only reason I know this is because I, I, this was something I paid very close attention to was this team in particular because I knew a lot of these players from from the previous time, 
And for some reason, it showed that that um, Silver 3 hadn't been on a team for three years, but he was on T1W. I think it's because like T1W has had a name change like three different times. Right. And it kind of screwed things yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, that gets difficult that. to follow. I think we, we yeah. both know that whole shuffle. Um, yeah. And because of that, though, so like if you look at if you were to go to um, Silver 3's achievements page, mm-hmm. like the, the last date of a tournament that it says that he was in was 2019. Interesting. Which, okay. if you've ever, you know, well, there you go. D- d- he's clearly been in, yeah, like, no, he's been in games since not, then. And yeah, how that goes. So, 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 what's not, twenty-one minus nineteen, right? Yeah, that gives you three years of not playing the game. Yeah, uh, I'll read so, off, uh, but before we move on on to the next one, after uh, thank you again for that because I, I have yeah, no clear. Um, I'll kind of read off the the translation in the comments that people have said is more accurate. Um, to be honest, we're just being too bad, and it's kind of awkward that we've really struggled in the league. It seems that we don't have any kind of team spirit. We're not feeling like a team. Initially, when we got picked up by the Valiant, we all knew that it was pure luck, so there's no choice but to play well and try our best. But today, I felt that we were stuck in a dilemma where we wanted both to perform well as a team and show individual skill, which turned out to be a lose-lose condition where we neither showed individual skill nor team synergy. So, I mean, that's, that's rough. That's an incredibly difficult position where you're trying to figure out like your identity as players and as a, as a collective, if that can even be accomplished, given the circumstances of coming together, like the Valiant is, is an incredibly tragic circumstance this year, because when you get past any of your conflicts with the org and how the situation has been handled, these players are just put in an extremely compromising position with no yeah. recourse and no support from, for at least mm-hmm. from the, the community. I, I won't claim to know, you know, like how the coaches or management are supporting them or anything like that, but like it's rough. It is real rough. Yeah. So damn uh, feel for the Valiant, please like have some empathy yeah. for these guys, at least the players, because no one can come out of this happy. You know, there's no winner here in that. Yeah. Oh, it, and it was and the, the, he was mistaking NVM for Silver Three as the starting main. Tank. That's what it was. And that was right. That was, I think people yeah. assumed that it was a name change, and that that was the same dude. And, and NVM is just a is sub, and that's it. Yes. So that go. was the other thing too. And, and but again, regardless of that, the Valiant I think have more mechanical skill than people realize. And think maybe we'd be able to compete, but we're actually going a little long here. We got to keep moving on. Sure. We already talked Paris Eternal, LA um, Gladiators yep. three two Eternal. Um, just to refresh you, Boston Uprising three zero uh, the Florida Mayhem. That's what I have to say about that one. Oh my god, so many moments there where really we could have at least taken that to map five. You know, we didn't need to draw on King's Row. We didn't need to lose that Volskaya. Like. Those were just close. I don't know. You know. And here's the deal, folks. Please remember, I always speak with the asterisk that I press tweet for a living. I am not the strategy guy. I am not an analyst. I do not talk with the players or managers or coaches about what's going on uh, because I don't speak Korean and because it's just my job to press tweet, not to figure that out for them. Um, but man, I, I wonder sometimes what's going on. Because we had we had a lot of great moments in this series. We had a lot of very close plays. 
we're still obviously coordinated. Like this is a core roster that's been together for a long time that can pull out those coordinated plays. But I, and I, I think really at the end of the day, it's Boston playing up. I think Boston, much mm-hmm. like Paris, are in a really good spot right now. So, they, you know, it's just kind of a perfect storm for them. I don't necessarily think that like our guys are, are really falling off the wagon all of a sudden. I, I think we had two actually very close, uh, contentious games with two really good teams right now. So, and props to Boston. And what's interesting too is like we're seeing Punk look pretty good. Yeah, on, yeah, I on, like that actually. On not Sigma. Which yes, is something that right. I almost thought he was only going to be yeah. playing Sigma for this team because Gabalsi seemed to be the better off tank. And Punk plays two of the three maps, plays super well, and then they put Gabalsi in for the last map, and he plays really well on that map. Yeah. So, so I think that you're you're seeing Florida, um, Florida struggling, man. Like they've they got to figure something There's out no for sure. Around it, this is a, a five match loss streak. It's real bad. There's no getting past that, you know, like, but first off, I don't know what the heck they need to do. I'm in plat, right? I, 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 that's true for most teams. I really have no idea what these guys should be doing to improve the ones that are struggling anyway. Um, I I think it it could speculatively, it could be mental. It could just be that we need to kind of shake our heads and and take that breath. Um, we have people for that. Like, I, I think we've done a good job of showing like Kuki is definitely that guy who is like, come on guys, just turn your brain on, just breathe. It's going to be fine. Like we have that sort of, I know that much. We do have that sort of thread throughout the team. We have this cohesion, this team culture that allows them to step back and, and take a breath and so on. It could just be an understanding of a meta or a development strategy. Like maybe we need a couple more compositions or set plays or something to that sort that we can be comfortable with. Maybe we just haven't gotten there yet. Um, I don't really know, right? Like this is a team that should be doing, I feel much better than they are. And, you know, bias right. notwithstanding, because I always think they should be doing the best and they're just the most amazing dudes. But like, this is a team that people expect top five performances from. And I think they should be justified in thinking that, but within the past you know month or so that has not been the case so something's got to change yeah. we got to click that thing into gear man because we're halfway through the season and i'm starting to maybe sweat a little bit so i want to yeah, go Hawaii was, again please <laughs> in correction it was just something that got screwed up i think on overwatch leagues and gabolsi didn't come into the game no either. no he, he did was, not uh, i didn't realize that you yeah. had said that no punk was in the whole yeah time. I, yeah i i for some reason i was looking at the thing and and for some reason i was just thought he was and then i was like wait no he wasn't no, punk played he's so, played very well and i i think yeah. like you know you, they were obviously kind of playing by committee at that role and trying to figure out who fit and i think at the yeah. end of the day just over the course of scrims and officials he has stepped up and shown himself to be the guy and that like it doesn't get any better than that right it's big proving yourself as the one that your team can depend on in that role when you have competition in that role is a real good feeling so props to punk he has earned it consummate grinder fantastic dude uh, as as far as i'm aware um good for them just please toronto defiant beat me so yeah. bad and then yeah toronto versus vancouver i mean this is uh, what we 3-0 expect. yeah toronto toronto expected. looking really like said, good you know and vancouver still looking like vancouver sorry Va- vancouver still looks like a team that's broken they, that, yeah, that's what it feels they like they just have me. never yeah. figured it out after you know 
after Runaway left, they never had an answer. They've just kind of patched things together. They're trying to kind of put together this disparate, like mid-table NA super roster that has never really done it for me. Like big changes need to happen for this team. Like I would keep Linkser. Linkser, we know, is top tier. Yeah. We know he's very good. I think Chungshik is also quite good. Fried is okay. It's pretty solid, but not like world breaking. I, I think Vancouver could do a lot. I don't know if their management structure will allow them to do that because any team I feel that will take a roster like Runaway and blow it up will really be able to understand how to put together a properly good roster. That's just some salt on my part. Um, right. It's I, I worry for Vancouver because they're a team that needs a lot of change, but I don't think they're going to get it. I think they're going to sit here like this for a while, and that's going to be rough to watch. It definitely is, especially with a team that, you know, apparently that a lot of social media stuff about them, which is very interesting to see. But that's all the games that we had this week. We'll now quickly go through next week and then maybe give you a couple games that we're looking for. Let's but pick, I think this is going to be a let's really pick good week. One game that we think is going to be really good after you've listed them off. We'll each list right. a game that we think is going to pop. And I think there's a few that can fit this Absolutely. too. So we we start off the week with Paris Eternal versus San Francisco Shock. Mm -hmm. um, that definitely looks like one that could be very good. Washington Justice versus Atlanta Rain. We still don't know what Washington is anymore after they had a terrible June. So mm -hmm. this will be an interesting one. And Atlanta was very good. Do they continue to be so? That's the start of your Friday. Uh, those are your two Friday games. It's a very good Friday. Mm -hmm. um, Saturday, Saturday in the morning, we go Philadelphia, Guangzhou for the start of APAC, then Seoul Dynasty versus Shanghai Dragons, which any time that those two teams have played each other That's right. has been uh, something to watch usually. So I'm definitely looking forward to that one yep. as well. Even even charge and fusion like fusion, especially after the fact that they didn't qualify last month. Yeah, is, that one uh, could be interesting. I'll be very curious. But players are getting back. Uh, I think a, a news point maybe that we missed is that players are start the the players that have been missing for fusion are starting to get to Korea now. So yeah. that's that could be a bit of a wrinkle. They might start to really click back in again, or they might even struggle as they try and incorporate those new big air quotes there, guys. Uh, that one's going to be interesting for sure. And that game actually ends up being the the encore game yep. that will be played live uh, prior to the games at the start of the NA time. So mm -hmm. you'll see Fusion versus Charge if you watch in the morning um, for the start of the NA games, followed by Paris Eternal versus Vancouver Titans. Uh, that one probably not going to be as interesting. Dallas Fuel versus Florida Mayhem. This has been an interesting regular it. season major I'm scared. matchup. I'm real scared. I'm so scared. Dallas, Especially because Sombra Doomfist Dallas seems like it's real pretty good possible. And it's a Hackfist meta. I'm scared. I think Which, it, like if we if if Cookie went in there after that game versus Boston and just like blew a gasket and suddenly just lit that fire back under us, that will be a good game. If we'll see, yeah. if we looked at that game versus Boston and we're like, the best we can do is like 2-2 and whatever differential, why bother? Like, if that boomed us, we're in trouble. I don't know <laughs> which of those is going to be true, but I worry well, I because Dallas is real good. They're just real good. But I want to believe because I, I'm, I'm contractually obligated to believe. So, like, 
watch it, but like I'm going to have half my eyes covered. I'm going to be real scared. I was going to say, I think there's a little bit more than just it being contractually obligated. I'm, oh, yeah. I, I think I'm, it's okay I've, to say I've you're bought in. I'm, I'm in for a penny and for a pound on these bastards at this point. So I, I want them <laughs> to win so bad. If we if we had the week we had and then go 2-0 next week, insanity. Yep. We'll see them. Speaking of insanity, Houston Outlaws versus San Francisco Shock. There's been fireworks Always every time this has happened the best way. so far. Yep. Um, you know, w- what is Houston going to be now with Hero Pools back mm-hmm. out? Um, and they, they were still good the week before. So then we go back to APAC for the start of Sunday. Uh, Charge versus the Dynasty. I, I think this will end up being a 3-0. Yeah. So maybe not as interesting here. Then we move on to Philadelphia Fusion versus Shanghai Dragons potential for this to be a good one and then that's our encore game Mm -hmm. as well to start off the the beginning of sunday we then move on to atlanta rain versus the dallas fuel which that one could be very very good too depending on how things shake out for both of these teams houston gets to play vancouver so that should be a should be a win for them and then to cap it all off for week number two florida man versus washington justice finishes us Mm -hmm. off Two teams that could be going into this desperately needing a win. Yeah. So that, that could be uh, a fun end of this week. Washington versus Florida is always the who knows bowl because the first yes. time we played them, it was a stomp. And then they came back and were like, oh, we remembered that we had that one guy, uh, you know, Decay, I think his name is. He's pretty <laughs> good. So we're going to beat the crap out of you. Like, and who yeah. knows which version we're going to see because we haven't seen the play yet. I imagine right. it's going to be the version with the guy who beats the crap out of people all the time, which again yeah. makes me a little worried, but hey, we could do it. I think if we're going to win any games now, it's going to be that one. But who knows? So give me your game of the week for this week number two of Summer Showdown. Total toss up between either of the Dragons games. I would mm-hmm. probably say Dragon's Dynasty, given where those teams are both at right now. If yeah. the Fusion are starting to slot back in their starters and are looking really, really good, that Fusion Dragons game could be phenomenal. But we don't know. They could totally make those players sit for another week, in which case it'll probably still be okay, but I'm definitely leading Shanghai in that regard. Um, Dynasty Dragons, no matter what, Total slobber knocker. I expect a map five or six or seven because that's just what they do. So stay up late for that one or take a nap or something. That That is definitely my game of the week, though. It's closely followed by what I think might be the one that you pick, but I'm not sure. I want to hear. Well, the game that I'm going to pick, I think I'm going to go with Dallas and Atlanta. Interesting. Because those are okay. two teams from June. who were Dallas finished in second. Atlanta finishes... Um, I what was it was uh, third I think no they were third they were third yeah Yeah. so so that one looks like that can be a very good game I also want to see how both of these teams adjust to back to having no hero pools yeah so I I do think that both of them have very intriguing week uh, start of their week matchups though I think both Florida games could potentially be the game of the week because I expect a lot from Florida and this is going to be a very telling week for them and I think the same thing for Atlanta versus Washington because. You know, we, we've seen Kai 
be a player on the rise. Mm-hmm. We've seen them sort of solidify their DPS roles for Atlanta. Yeah. So I'm Atlanta really curious to see like Kai versus Decay. Yeah, they are really finding their stride almost the way Soul has, right? Like a team that like had a bit of a shaky start, but is starting to kind of come around like great pieces throughout their roster, even if I'm mm-hmm. again contractually obligated to hate their guts. Um, they are quite a good team. I, I'm honestly yeah. quite excited to see them play. I was honestly expecting you to pick uh, maybe this is just my own bias. Is Paris versus Shock? That's my honorable mention. I think that, that one that will be is. A um, I think that one is too. Um, I think every game with the Shock is sort of that way, though, because there is so much yeah, yeah, pressure and shock. so many eyes. You just them. have to watch them. Like they're the team that you kind of everyone keeps an eye on. But yeah, yeah. and, and I it think feels like Houston versus San Francisco could sort of be in the same good. vein. As yeah, and, and Houston right? has had lots of really good moments this season that have made me believe in them more than I ever have because it's Houston. And let's be real, folks, not right. the greatest start to their uh, careers in the, the beginning all those years ago. Um, but yeah, I think Paris is on this massive upswing. They really look like they've got things figured out. But the shock will be a real test. And at the same time, the shock what we can only describe as a shaky week for them. So either they like stay shaky, I think. And like, this goes to another Matt five or they have like the angry shock where they're like, uh, uh-uh, right. no, that was bad. We're going to beat the crap out of you now because no, in which case it might not be very close at all, but the potential there is huge. So that one, I'm definitely keeping an eye on as well. It definitely looks like it's going to like, I'm more excited for this week. Than I was last week and this past week yeah. was very surprising with how good it was. Yeah. So here's to hoping that we get more of that, yep. right? We got but some good. I think over- gonna this, do it. We have some good Overwatch this season, dude. This is like we do a good season. I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on that. This is an amazing having been around since the early days where we had some real clown fiestas. This is a good season of Overwatch, folks. It really is. I mean. You have a couple teams at the bottom, but still like. Sure. There's always going to be a few, but there's way more like competitive teams than ever. Yeah. And I I think that's great. So it it definitely makes things very interesting for sure and makes it fun for us to get to talk about it. And it's been a pleasure, my friend, to get to talk about it with you. Yeah, that's for sure. It's been great. It's good to be back. Yeah. It's always fun to have you on. We'll have to get you on again when Ramsey's is back in town sure, sure. Uh, sometime here soon in the future, too. But I want to remind you all that the best way you can help us out on the show is by sharing it with your other Overwatch friends and OWL fans and by giving us a review on your podcasting platform of choice. It helps us keep visibility in the algorithms and helps us improve the show for you guys because we see what you like and what you don't like. So please, please, please do that if you haven't already. We also join you, of course, to uh, join us in the Mash Those Buttons community, which you can do so by going to discord.me slash mash those buttons. It'll keep you up to date on all of your shows, a few which you get to actually hear about right after we're done here. So be sure to continue listening on to the podcast. So you'll do that if you're watching us live. You know, thank you for that, too. Obviously, we appreciate everybody who comes in. Um, the other thing as well is if you would like to monetarily support the podcast the platform specifically patreon.com slash smash those buttons is where you do that little as a dollar a month and you get access to patreon exclusive content there's some cool stuff there from a bunch of the shows uh ramses and i need to do start doing a little bit more for the patreon i got it we gotta 
get to actually doing some stuff for that. By the way, uh, I don't I, I don't know if we actually have a set date or when we're going to be doing the uh, game night this this past week, but I believe that it is going to be on the uh, I believe. Well, actually, I don't know when it's going to be. <laughs> so working uh, on we, that that is we're working on it. But, you know, game nights on Saturdays, it'll be I, I doubt it'll be the the week of the fourth or this first weekend. It might be the 10th. It might be the 17th. Uh, you know, once Ramsey's gets back, we'll we'll figure that out. But, you know, if you're on the discord, you'll get a ping knowing when that'll be as soon as we decide it. So get in the discord so that way you can find that out. But regardless of that, support the Twitter at pushpoint pod. For all your information about the show, push the point at gmail.com if you want to email us. And if you want to follow Thibble Dork, where do they go, Thibble? Uh, best place is definitely Twitter. 99% of my social presence is on there. It's just uh, at Thibble Dork. Um, that, that's really it. I, I need to get back into streaming. There's a lot of uh, Contenders China <laughs> review I want to be doing and Overwatch League analysis I want to be doing. Um, maybe some like broadcast lessons and review or, or anything like that. Um, and maybe some general variety content. So uh, hound me on Twitter to start streaming on Twitch. Uh, and then those will be the two places that you can find me. So yeah, at Thibbledork on Twitch, I'm Thibbledork with two Ks at the end because again, I, I got locked out of my first one and then started subscribing to people. So yeah. Uh, the, the other thing to remember too, um, <laughs> we should do that together. By the way, we I think totally that would could. be fun to do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, when it, yeah. when we start, especially with the Contenders China stuff, I mean, you and I just cracking in at, at the games that we were able to go over. I, I think there were some really amazing moments to kind of break down in there. So, yeah, bug me, yeah. bug me on Twitter, bug the boss, go on Twitter, and we'll <laughs> we'll get into it at some point when I'm not like sick and working and and stressing about Overwatch, which is. Uh, it's all I do, but there are windows. So find me, bug me. So we find yeah. those windows together and do content at, at Labosco for my Twitter. If you want to follow me and uh, yeah, do that. I, I post about a bunch of different random stuff, you know, one piece, the bears, watch stuff, the bears, because I'm excited about the, the quarterback we have, you know, sure. I, I'm, I'm, I'm an easy target when it comes to Twitter. Like, you you know, it's something from me or whatever dumb thing I'm retweeting, especially if it's Chicago or that's always like how I tell one piece. Like, oh, that smells like that smells like deep fish. <laughs> smells pizza. like LeBoss. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But it's been a lot of fun. Thank you again, man. It, it's course. been a lot of fun to, to get to talk with you here about a bunch of this stuff. But the one thing to know for sure is that you should take care of yourselves and also make sure you're making your community a better place. Thanks for listening to Push the Point 109. It's crazy to think we're we're almost yeah, into the double growing. digits in the 100s, yeah, right? Definitely. And we took off a lot of time during like the off season too. Like we were only doing monthly podcasts and we're still almost to 110. So thanks again for stopping by, but that's going to do it here for us and we'll see you next time. See you guys. Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out mashthosebuttons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. 
All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash mashthosebuttons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at twitter.com slash the Mash Network, facebook.com slash mashthosebuttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash discord. 